Well, good morning. Welcome to chapel this morning, the last week of October. Can you guys believe it? We're heading into November here, here pretty quickly. Um, just a couple announcements for us as we begin chapel this morning. We have um, some events going on this week. Actually, tonight, they're going, um, SGA is hosting a chapel talkback session um, where you can explore some of the topics that we've um, discussed with chapel speakers over the last month and even share your opinions and insights on chapel. So it'll be a great time of conversation. Hopefully, you'll all be able to come out. Um, and then tomorrow, the social work club is having their event. Um, there's a home volleyball game. I think the scare walk is beginning. So there are lots of events going on this week. I'd also like to take a moment and just introduce our chapel speaker for this morning. Today we have with us Reverend Dr. Carla Sundberg. Um, she has a PhD in historical theology from the University of Manchester in the United Kingdom, a Master of Arts from NTS, and a Bachelor of Science from Mid-American Nazarene University. In 2012, Olivet Nazarene University awarded her an honorary Doctor of Divinity. She is an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. She was ordained during her 13 years um, that she and her husband Chuck served as missionaries in the former Soviet Union, where she served as Director of Compassionate Ministries as well as Director of Theological Education. In 2005, they returned back to the the States, and in 2011, she and her husband, Chuck, accepted a call to serve as co-district superintendents for East Ohio District. She has also served on many committees representing both the Nazarene denomination and the Wesleyan Holiness tradition, and in January 2014, she was elected as president of Nazarene Theological Seminary, where she currently serves now. She and her husband are proud parents of two adult daughters, Krista, who, along with her husband Ian, live in England, and Kara, who, along with her husband Justin, live in Flint, Michigan, and um, have welcomed the first granddaughter, who's now three months old, Mackenzie. Would you please join me in welcoming Dr. Sundberg this morning? And we've asked, um, Tyler's going to come and pray for us this morning as we begin chapel. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for just allowing us to come here and worship you on a weekly basis, God. I want to pray for our chapel speaker today, God. I want to pray that you give her um, the wisdom to speak your words, God, to us, God, and just speak through her. I want to pray for each and every student on this campus right now, Father God, as well. I want to pray against the spirit of complacency, God, and I want to pray for just as the semester is starting to um, get into full swing, God, I pray that everyone would be able to press into their work, God, and to press into what they need to do, Father God, and that we could all finish strong. Um, I just want to pray for all these things in your name, God. Amen. Good morning. Are you wide awake this morning? Maybe. Now, I'm from Kansas City, so I have a good excuse to be tired. (laughs) Did I hear some booze this morning? I am so sorry. Am I going to get killed for being from Kansas City this morning? Huh? All right, go Royals. I'm sorry, that is my team. And uh, they kept people up half the night, right? Boo, boo, boo. Okay, man, I'm going to be in trouble here. But uh, hey, you know, I am thinking about the game this morning. And, um, you know, there's some people that are trying to blame people about the game this morning, right? Now, it, uh, you know, obviously it's got to be somebody's fault that New York didn't win the game last night. I'm sorry. Boo. But, um, also, you know, there were, another, there were some other glitches with the game last night. I don't know if you know that there were some glitches. Um, one of the glitches was that 
I guess the generator of the backup generator of the backup generator or whatever for Fox went out last night during the World Series. And so they lost their feed for the game. So I'm guessing somebody's in trouble. I was looking online this morning, and it was showing all these people running to try and get this generator back up. And um, so it delayed the game. I mean, you don't want to have that happen in the World Series, right? So somebody's in trouble this morning. Somebody's making excuses for what happened. Um, Also, in Kansas City, we have Google Fiber. Do you guys have Google Fiber where you are? I don't really know how to describe Google Fiber. It's something. It's something that makes the Internet run really, really fast. And Google likes to brag about it. And they've brought it to our neighborhood. And, like, everybody gets this free Internet. And it's it's supposed to be incredible. And uh, it went down for an hour in Kansas City last night during the World Series game. So I'm guessing somebody's in trouble about that this morning as well, right? So, you know, somebody is making excuses about things that happen. Now, none of us in this room, we don't ever make excuses about anything, do we? I mean, do we always take responsibility for everything that happened? That's my job. I did it. I'm the one that messed up. You know, I mean, this morning, is there somebody really standing around going, I tripped the cord for that uh, backup generator and why the game went off? I don't know. But I want to just talk a little bit this morning about no excuses. I want to talk to you about faithfulness and God's call to leadership and what it might mean for your life and what it might mean for life, mine. You see, um, you're, you're into this school year already a couple of months. And um, some of you are brand new here this fall, and you're still just kind of getting used to things. Some of you have come back. You're back here for several years that you've been back, and you're just kind of wondering, what does this future kind of look like? And I just want to challenge you today about being faithful to God's call. So I want to take us back to a scripture this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it's a scripture that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Anybody know what that scripture is sort of nicknamed? This is a quiz right here in chapel this morning. I've got two NTS students. Do you know what that means? No? The Shema. Thank you very much. This is Matt McPherson and Sarah Robinson right next to him. We're glad that they're here today. Um, And so I'm going to pick on them. Oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Matt is our NTS recruiter for here, and Sarah is our 365M recruiter. I'll just put a plug right here in my message for NTS. You'll want to get to meet them if you feel like God might be calling you on to further study or to serving somewhere around the world. But that piece of scripture, it's called the Shema. The Shema is the Hebrew word for the beginning of that, which means to hear. And there is this important message That God spoke to the children of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this message was so important to the Israelites that everybody was supposed to remember the Shema. Hey, folks, this is the most important thing in life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this was the one thing that the Israelites were supposed to do over and over through their lives. They were to be faithful to the fact that there was one God, one God alone, Yahweh. He was the one that they were supposed to serve. So let me just ask you something. Did they do a good job of serving that one God? No. In case you're wondering, 
They didn't do a very good job of that. As a matter of fact, they really liked to adopt all the other gods of all the nations around them. And they would put up idols to all those other gods even around them. They continually were worshiping other gods. They were unfaithful. And because of their unfaithfulness, eventually they get carried away to another nation to live in exile. Because they would not follow that one challenge of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I mean, they had been told to write it on their doorposts and teach it to the children, and yet they did not. So when I talk about being carried away into exile, you know, I don't know if you've been watching the news this fall, watching the refugees that are traveling from the Middle East and trying to make their way through Europe. They travel every day trying to get away from issues that are at home, but they are a people living in another nation and living in this land of exile. What does that look like? Well, during the time of the the Israelites, because they've been so unfaithful for so long, eventually their nation no longer exists. They've been destroyed, and a whole group of them are carried off into exile, and you've probably heard of them before. Now, I'm just curious. Anybody in here ever heard of Veggie Tales? All right, there we go. You know, I was going to make some crack about coming to Boston in the fall, but you've probably heard that a billion times. But, you know, I really love those pirates that don't do anything. But um, that's pretty cool. There's also a great story. Anybody ever heard the bunny song? All right, all right. You know what the bunny song's about? About King Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. All right, so just, okay. So just put this into context. That's really the story I'm telling you about today. It's about the bunny song, all right? So these young people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their nation has been unfaithful to God. They end up in Babylon in another nation, and they're living there in exile. So I'm going to read this scripture to you today just to fill in the pieces of the bunny song. Daniel 1.1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. He came, he wiped out their nation. Let the Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These they brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. Then the king commanded his palace master, Ashpenaz, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and the nobility They were to be young men without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, and competent to serve in the king's palace. They were to be taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, and the king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years so that at the end of that time they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah. The palace master gave them other names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. At the end of ten days it was observed. This is in the middle of that. They refused to eat all the stuff the king was sending them. So at the end of ten days it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had eaten the royal rations. So the guard continued to withdraw their royal rations and the wine they were to drink. And he gave them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. Daniel also had insight into all visions and dreams. So I just want to talk for a little bit this morning about those four guys. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Because I think they can just teach us a few lessons that might actually be relevant to our lives and where we are right now. You see, they were hand-selected for leadership training, and they took their training really seriously. They were self-disciplined. They took care of their physical and spiritual bodies as well as their minds. And I just want to tell you, you're here. You're at Eastern Nazarene College. You're here at ENC. And every one of you that is here in this room, I don't know if you realize that you are being gifted with something incredible. That you are being gifted with the incredible opportunity for education. That there are people in this world that would literally die to be here in your place. And I just wonder if you've thought about what it means really, really, what does this mean for you? For you see, we need you to take your education seriously. Because I'm telling you, we need you. Daniel and his friends, they were a people in exile. And today there's a lot of language being thrown around about this idea of exile. You see, there are theologians that talk about the fact that they believe that we as Christianity in the United States are finding ourselves in exile. That maybe Christianity had this preferred status within our nation and no longer do we find ourselves to be a preferred people within this nation. And so what does it mean if we as Christians find ourselves in exile? And does it mean that maybe we need to learn some lessons from the exile and figure out what in the world it means for you and for me to be God's faithful people in the midst of changing circumstances? These young men, and that was just the case then, I'm just going to say men and women, (laughs) we are to be trained for leadership in a land that is not our own, but they chose to take it all seriously. And it's an important point because there are different ways that the Israelites dealt with their exile. There's an interesting scripture, Psalm 137. It's a song It says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. I just want you to catch that a minute. They're in the land of Babylon. They're in exile. And their captors said, would you sing us some of your songs of Zion? And those, that group of exiles, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, that group of exiles took their harps and hung them up on trees and said, forget it. We're not singing anything for you. Now, that's one way we can deal with exile. We can be pretty ticked off about it. We can be angry about where we've been. But you know what happened? When they refused to sing their songs of Zion, just imagine had they sung their songs... You see, when they would sing their songs, they were singing praise and worship to God on high. By hanging up their harps and being angry at their captors, they stopped worshiping God. Well, that's an option we have. Let's just be ticked off enough about what's going on that I just stopped worshiping God. At the same time, imagine if they would have sung the songs of Zion. Could it be? That the people around them might have actually gotten a glimpse of what it meant to worship a holy God? Could God have actually used their songs of praise to infect other people to be attracted to God? 
And so maybe God is saying, stop thinking that you're just going to hang up your harps or give up on what's happening with Christianity. And what would happen if we lived into who we're really supposed to be? And we worshiped and we praised God and we let the neighbors listen in on what's happening. And who knows what God might do in the midst. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they didn't give in to that. They did not hang up their harps. They chose instead to respond in a different way. They were young, filled with potential, and they chose to take the responsibility placed upon them, and they chose not to have any excuses. They didn't want their minds to be clouded, so they did the very best they could for God. So they were careful with a number of things, and these are just some things we might want to bear in mind. They were careful about what they put into their bodies physically. They didn't want their minds and their bodies to be clouded with the food of the royal family. So I just ask us a question. Are we careful about what we do with our bodies physically so that we can serve God? Are we careful about the food that we eat and the exercise that we have? You see, they understood that taking care of their physical bodies would affect their spiritual lives. And they practiced great discipline in their spiritual lives. They prayed, they fasted, and they sought the face of God. Young people who took time every day to seek the face of God. You're all saying, hey, we're busy in college. You don't understand. We got too much going on. And we do go to chapel when we're supposed to. And that's got to be good enough, right? Let me just tell you, it wasn't good enough for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They also took the time to get the kind of education which would prepare them for the work that lay before them. And they could not have been placed into the positions of influence without having had their education. They studied and they got the finest degrees which would have been possible in their day. So let me just have an honest conversation with you here. There is value in the education you're receiving here. There is value in you getting the best education that you can receive here. And you need to take what you have and use it in service before God. When I was uh, studying in uh, my undergrad program, I went to Mid-America Nazarene University in Olathe, Kansas. You've probably never heard of that. And uh, I was a nursing major. And uh, being a nursing major was interesting. Um, Let me just say, I think what they try to do is kill you as a nursing major to see if you'll actually survive being a nurse later on. That Somehow, I think that was part of the curriculum. Um, While all my friends were having a great time in college, I was getting up at 6 in the morning and going and doing clinicals with dying people all day. I mean, it was an interesting experience. So um, while I was in college, though, I traveled in one of the college singing groups. And I remember talking to the Lord about this because sometimes we would get in at 2 and 3 o'clock on Monday morning, and I really wanted to skip class. Now, none of you ever have that temptation, do you? No, I know. You go every time. And um, I was thinking about this, and and I remember this conversation with the Lord about wanting to skip class. And um, I said, Lord, I'm just too tired. I don't have enough hours in the day. And I felt like the Lord convicted me and said, you know, I know you're too tired, but would you do your part and I'll do my part? So I kind of had this conversation with the Lord about skipping class, and the Lord said, you just don't skip class, even if you're tired, just go, do your best, and I'll be with you. And I want to tell you something. I was challenged not to have excuses about not going to class, and so I went. I went. It wasn't always easy. I was tired. I was exhausted, but somehow the Lord seemed to help me through that period of my time. 
Something else that's interesting is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they studied Chaldean. How many of you speak Chaldean here? Anybody? No. Do, we, do you really speak Chaldean? That's awesome. Would you say something for us? <laughs> no, I just think this is an amazing thing. They went and they studied the language to the place where they went. Now, how many of you in here um, speak at least two languages? There's a bunch of you. How many of you speak three languages? All right. Anybody in here speak four? All right. There's this joke overseas. I was a missionary. The joke is this. You know, what does it mean to speak three languages? What's the word? Trilingual. What does it mean to speak two languages? What does it mean to speak one language? There you go. That's the joke. So these guys, they go into exile and they take the time and the energy to learn how to speak Chaldean. And let me just tell you, it's really important to learn the language of the place where you're going to be. You've got to learn about the culture and the people. And how do you learn about the people? Well, you have to learn the language. And you also, it says they studied the literature. And I don't know how many of you enjoy reading literature, but I was a missionary in Russia. And if I wanted to understand the Russians, I had to read Pushkin and Solzhenitsyn and Tolstoy and Dostoevsky because only in reading about their literature and reading their literature could I learn about the amazing culture of the Russians. You see, you never really learn a people until you learn their language. You know, as I was learning Russian, there are all kinds of fun things to learn. And so here's a test. Anybody know what Yolki Palki means? Anybody? Yolki Palki? No, it's not a type of dog, but Sabaka is dog. Yolki Palki. Yolki Palki means Christmas tree branch. Now that, you know, you probably go, Christmas tree branch. Okay, what does that mean? But you see, when you get really frustrated and somebody does something that, you know, that you're talking to your friend and your friend's kind of, you know, being a jerk, you just kind of go, yolky polky, you know? I mean, that's just something significant in Russian. And today, some of you are going to go off calling your friends that later on, aren't you? Yolky polky. That's just, but to understand Russian culture, if I just translate that, you'd go, right. I don't get that. Okay, the other thing, it's a great word. It's when you're driving and there's a really bad driver in front of you and you yell out, Chinik. Anybody know what Chinik means? Teapot. So, you know, calling somebody a teapot. But, but the point is, if you don't really know the language and the culture, that would mean nothing to you to just go, teapot. They actually sell warning signs in Russia that you can get in the back of your car with a little teapot on it and like, it's really bad. My husband bought me one to put in the back of my car, like warning the driver's a chinik, a teapot. But the point being, you would never learn about this culture if you did not learn what their language meant. And I just encourage you, study your literature, study your languages, learn everything that you can learn here and so that you may become the best that you can for the future that you have. Know your context. Be willing to put in the time to read, study, and speak the language of your people. Well, what was the result of the work of these three young men? Let's go a little bit further. Now we're really getting into the bunny song. The bunny song is about worshiping the bunny, isn't it? And what happens is that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, builds a big statue to himself. And then the young men are supposed to bow down and worship at the foot of this big statue. 
But what was that thing that all those Jewish kids learned long ago? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And for centuries, the Jewish people have struggled and they have worshipped before other gods. And somehow, even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remember this truth. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so King Nebuchadnezzar says, bow down, worship before this idol of me because he saw himself as being God. So now the boys find themselves in a dilemma. And we have the following list of excuses, ones that I'm sure you have never used. First of all, they have this list of excuses they could use. We will worship down and, and, and pretend, but we're not really going to worship the idol. You know, I mean, the deal is they're going to lose their lives if they don't worship this thing. So let's think about our options here. I can pretend to worship it. I'll just look like I'm worshiping it, but in my heart, I really won't. Have you ever convinced yourself in circumstances that you could do that? Or how about this one? We won't become idol worshipers, but we'll just worship it this one time, and then we're going to ask God for forgiveness. That's a good one. God, I'm just going to go do this thing tonight, but, but, but I'll come back. It'll, it'll just be one time, one time, and then I'll come back, and I'll ask for forgiveness. Or how about this? The king has absolute power. We must obey him, and God will understand. Now, this becomes a big question. The moral law of God versus the legal law. I lived in Russia for 13 years. And in Russia, they did a pretty good job of creating laws so that you could not live by them. We were actually told that by a lawyer who said, you will never find a way to legally, totally live in this country. All the laws are written so that at some point you can be caught and put in jail should anybody want to do so. Now that's an interesting situation to find yourself in because it means on a daily basis you have to pick and choose what laws you're going to live by. And at some point you are struggling with this moral law of following God in the midst of a culture and society whose laws are made to be broken... And I'm just saying at some point in time, living in exile, you might find yourself in some kind of a place where you have to wrestle with, what's the right thing to do? You see, there were the people after World War II, those who served Hitler. They tried to use this argument. We were just serving our leader. And somehow the world said, but it's wrong to murder all those people. And I'm just saying, at some point, the excuses have to stop. They could have said, well, the king appointed us. We have these great jobs because of him, so we owe it to him. Or we could have said, this is a foreign land. God's going to excuse us for following the customs of this land. Or they could have said, our ancestors set up idols in God's temple. This isn't half as bad. Have you ever made that excuse? What I'm going to do isn't half as bad as what some other people have done. Or I like this one. We're not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt anybody else. And then, I like this one. 
This makes us feel good about ourselves. If we get ourselves killed and some pagans take our high positions, it's not going to help our people in exile, so we better bow down and do it because it's going to be better for everybody. Well, these young men, they had become incredible followers of God. And they knew that when that music played, they had decided we're taking a stand because we believe, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they refused to bow down. Now, isn't it interesting that at that moment, the only three who didn't bow down were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We think Daniel was off someplace else. But there were a whole lot of Jews who had been taken into exile. Everybody else gave in. Only these three refused. And what happens? They get thrown into the fiery furnace, but they don't die. And ultimately, the decision of those three young men who were not willing to make any excuse, who were willing to die for their faith, who were willing to say, I believe, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. At that moment, the decision of three young people becomes a turning point for the entire Jewish community. For you see, after they return from exile, the Jews are never again a polytheistic people. That's it, guys. Three young people who said, we're going to serve God. No more excuses for our people. And their decision changes the fate and the direction of an entire nation. So here you are. You've been handed an incredible opportunity. What you are being gifted with here by being able to study and to go to school. God is saying, remember the foundational issues. We're living in a world that does not want to hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The world doesn't want to hear, hear, O Christian, Jesus is Lord. But we need you. We need you to do the best that you can, to learn everything you can, to take everything that you get from this place, and to help lead us through exile. Help us to be faithful to being the followers of God that he's called us to be. No excuses. Would you please stand and let me pray for you as you go this morning. Our holy God, I pray for this group that is gathered here today. I pray for them. I pray for their lives that you have given them. I thank you for the opportunities that you have placed before them. And I pray that even now that they would take advantage of everything that you have placed into their hands. Lord, we need them. We need them to help lead us into a future that is unknown. We need them to be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in our world today. So now, Lord, I ask that the God of all peace would go with those who are gathered in this place. Use them in your kingdom in a powerful way. And would these young people be our leaders that we need in your kingdom work. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.